The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pixies Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Robertson, your host. Joining me to talk about the NFL Combine, the one, the only, longtime pod, longtime friend of the pod, uh, borderline super friend, Josh Edwards. What's up, buddy? How you doing? You know what? I've been aspiring to be uh, a super friend, so to be that much closer to that designation. You are, is, uh, I mean, I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know what the actual like. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no certain there's not like a quota like a certain number of appearances before you become a super friend i mean i think you are like you are like you are i mean i mean i mean you're you're you yeah you're like so like you know we always say like friend of the pod right where and like you know but like you're you're not a you're you're, you're more than a friend of the pod so like i don't know i don't know i, I need i need to work on the classification i haven't done a very good job of it <laughs> um i do i do like that uh billy has, has snuck a uh a little monocle into the title i'll have a good monocle emoji What's your favorite emoji, Josh? So this might be bad to admit. I'm not a big emoji guy. Um, I would say I love emojis. I I would say the one, you know, where you get the skeptical look, like your eyebrows a little raised. That's probably the one that I use the most. You don't find that suspicious. You don't find that suspicious. I do actually find it suspicious. Actually, no, I, I don't I don't find it suspicious that Josh is not a big emoji guy. I could see you, I mean. If you're you're a straightforward man of uh of of I mean like like I'm like I'm like I'm the idiot who loves to use emojis. <laughs> the best is like with Ryan Wilson when he's like he's like he like he doesn't he'll, he'll be like eyes emoji. It's like that's not how that works. Like you just do the eyes, bro. Like, the, all right. Anyway, um, I was trying to explain to somebody over the weekend how um like this uh actually I, was explaining, I think I told this story several times, but it's like. Sometimes they're supposed to ask me like what the pod is about. And it's like, well, usually football, <laughs> but occasionally we'll talk about like Casey potato girl, or I'll go on an emoji. I'll talk about emojis. Um, yeah, so some of those Brady Quinn football shows uh, really toe the line between football uh, show and, uh, I mean, were you, 
I can't remember. Um, we did one. I don't think he said it on air, but maybe he did. Maybe it was like right off air. I can't remember. But he was like, he's like, so is this? You know, he's like, this is the least rambly of all the shows that you do versus like, <laughs> it's worse than everybody else. I was like, no, you're by far the worst. Like, not, and when I say worst, I mean just like most likely guess to like take me off into a like a a space cadet tangent. That like, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Dom has it correct. It's football with a bit of snark and many tangents. Yes, it's snarky football coverage is what is the best way to describe it. Um, I mean, you can have fun with it, though. It's football. Like, yeah, this is a game football. people are supposed to enjoy. You know, you can have a little fun with it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I said from Jump Street, man, I was like, look, I'm going to be me. And, and and I mean, you know, you get to go with the bad. <laughs> sometimes yeah. the, sometimes the, the football coverage is okay, and sometimes the, uh, the, there's, there's plenty of snark. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, make sure to turn on you know alerts. You get notified when we go live. Uh, this is a good time of the year actually to have alerts on for this podcast because we and this is true. Like this is not a humble brag. Um, we are the originators of the emergency podcast. Many many duplicators. Many have done it better, but we are the first. You know, we're like the slanket to the snuggie, or is it the snuggie? Which one is first? Which one was first? Remember? I think it was a snuggie. Yeah, nobody knows about the slanket. Everybody, no, 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 everybody knows about the snuggie. The Slanket was actually first. Wow. But the Slanket people were bad at marketing, and therefore the Snuggie eventually won out and took over and won the day. So it's not. And that's why people subscribe. Is that, is it the? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. We're going to talk about the Combine. The NFL Combine is upon us. Um, I saw, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw this or not. So I don't want to like spring it on you, but I mean, whatever. Um, You know, we're talking, we're going to talk Bryce Young versus CJ Shroud. Um, I think. That uh, Todd McShay it was, it was cited. Um, I saw this on Twitter. It was like Todd McShay apparently was reporting that Bryce Young is going to like like weigh or like like measure measure. I almost said weigh in. You don't weigh in your height. Um, it's going to like measure it at, at, at like like shorter than people even people thought. Um, let me ask you this, Josh. Before we sort of get into that comparison, should we care about Bryce Young's height and? I, I understand that like it's more like it's usually more like a novel, you know, but most of the time it is tall. The NFL likes tall quarterbacks. The NFL does not like short quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson kind of changed that, but then uh, in like Baker Mayfield, you know, went first overall and Drew Brees obviously was the, the, the founder or not. The, he's the forefather of all this, but um, like, like how much, how much does, how much does Bryce Young's height concern you when you analyze him as a prospect? I'm less concerned about his height as I am his weight. Um, and a lot of people think he's going to be closer to 200 pounds, but I, you know, it, it's always funny how we talk about the weights in February and then they don't play at those weights in the fall. Um, no, that's always a talking point. So, you know, you want him to be closer to that 200 pound weight because we've seen some smaller quarterbacks in recent years, whether it was Kyler Murray, whether it was Jalen hurts, those guys have a little bit of a thicker, lower body build um, which allows them to sustain contact, drive their legs, um, you know, under contact, all that kind of stuff. Bryce Young doesn't really have that extra power to him. You know, you worry about his durability a little bit. But, yeah, I think he's going to come in a little bit um, on the shorter side. And when you look at that, you kind of have to project what kind of an offense that best fits into because you don't want to make him this traditional pocket passer allow him to sit back there. Ideally you would, but most teams don't have the offensive line to do that. So in an ideal world, you see him landing in this offensive scheme where you can roll him out of the pocket a little bit, allow him to make plays off platform, all of that kind of stuff, allow him to make his, you know, just natural playmaking ability 
um, outside of the pocket. I think that's kind of the ideal situation for him. Um, but I'm more worried about the the weight than I am the height at this point. Interesting. I mean, that's that's a very viable concern because, like, you know, you talk about you, know, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, you know, was, I, I always think I always I always reference this quote that somebody some I can't remember who was a scout or GM or what it was to Ryan Wilson said that he was the best running back in the Big Twelve coming into the draft, and it wasn't an insult. It was like this dude can just he's going to run you over, like, and, and he got hurt, but he can he just he plows through people. You know, Russell Wilson smaller but a very a thick frame like russ is always and actually got real thick last year no not no judgment obviously uh <laughs> i would never judge anybody for backing on lvs during the football season but he russ like russ is you know russ avoids contact but also if he has to take contact he is built differently like bryce young uh by the way the mcshay quote was if i'm a gm i'm scared to death of drafting him his real height is five ten and a half according to uh mcshay Brady Quinn has said, and like, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to over exaggerate what he what he pointed out, but Brady, like, I think he, and we're saying this as as prospects, right? When I say this, not as like what we know now, I think he basically had him behind only Joe Burrow as a as a as like a prospect in terms of just a pure passer. He said, when I'm feeling down, I go watch Bryce Young tape. Like, I mean, so that that's that's the it, this is fascinating about this draft too. You know, are you willing to take a chance on a guy when we've seen repeatedly, you know, smaller quarterbacks not necessarily work out at the next level? What do you think about him versus CJ Stroud when you, you know, especially when you start talking about that top pick? And you know, there are, we'll get to, you know, Levis and Richardson after that as well. Yeah. What makes Young so special is, you know, his leadership, um, you know, his ability to make plays off platform, like I said, but he's really just an instinctual passer. He's got a great feel for the game. You see a lot of people compare him to a Steph Curry. Um, and while that's obviously a cross sport comparison, you kind of understand it a little bit because he does have this natural feel for the game. Um, you know, he plays within the rhythm of the game. He's capable of making, uh, creating his own opportunities, all that kind of stuff. By the way, way, just sorry to interrupt you. I mean, uh, I'm terrible at interrupting, obviously, but like the throw that we're seeing on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, like this is a freaking dime. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and it does look to, to me, this is like the Steph Curry style throw where it's sort of, you know, the, the, you, you boot him out a little bit on the play action and then you just put it deep and it's just, it just flies out of his hand. Exactly. And, you know, CJ Stroud has a little bit more of that prototypical size we talked off, uh, about off the jump, but um, you know, he doesn't want to be this off platform outside of the pocket type playmaker. He prefers to work in the pocket. Um, and he's been very good at that, you know, surgical down the field, attacking at all three levels of the field. But in the NFL today, the quarterbacks that are having success are the ones that are willing to use their legs. The ones that are willing to get outside of the pocket, can extend plays, find guys late in the in the play. Um, and C.J. Stroud didn't show that a whole lot during his collegiate career. The college football playoff was an obvious, uh, you know, exception against a very good Georgia defense. But teams are going to want to dig in this week in Indianapolis and try to figure out if that's who he wants to be. Does he want to be more of a pocket passer, somebody that sits back in the pocket and, um, you know, uh, is, is just delivering with accuracy to all three levels of the field? Or is he open to being that player that works outside of structure? I think that's what teams are going to try to get um, some insight into. Josh froze up a little bit there. I, I also point out that um, – wait, wait for that to come back uh, – that – 
the quote from Todd McShay was via Albert Breer of uh, SI.com. Also quoted Daniel Jeremiah, who said if Bryce Young was 6'3", 220, I would be talking about him like I talked about Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Um, and then McShay's full quote was, I love Bryce Young. I really do. I know he's 195 pounds. A really good friend of mine who's a scout had him at 5'10 and a half. I mean, it's not very big. It's just it's not very big. Uh, I met with him. I talked to him. He's special. He's different. He has a poise. I absolutely love Bryce Young. I would bet on him. In his next breath, McShay concedes, if I'm a GM, I'm scared to death of drafting him. So, I mean, that's kind of a bit, like, I mean, it's a, a you know, a little bit juxtapositional or paradoxical or some some other word like that. Um, the uh, Breer talk, because he had, he had, he does it, is it, is it the MMQB column? And he had, he basically is like, talking to jeremiah and 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 uh and mcshay about these about these prospects and trying to figure out you know what like what they bring to the table i i mean I, this is probably i don't even know if this is like a bias thing for me but i just cannot ever like i just i just have a thing against ohio state quarterbacks i don't know if it's because i got you know dragged by shelly meyer on twitter one time and i just don't like ohio state or if it's like actually a thing where you know i think sometimes you see coming out of that system you, you just don't see it translate to the NFL very often at all. I mean, Justin Fields, totally different animal, totally different beast. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the whole Justin Fields thing because that didn't work out very well last week. People got mad about it. Um, but you know, his production was largely on the ground last year, you know, and, and he broke out by running the football and they, they can't look, the, the bears can to do his skill set, And that's great. Um, that's what you want in an offense. You want Luke Getze, the OC to be, you know, doing stuff that incorporates the best possible skill set, uh, you know, for Justin Fields type, but at the same time, it's not like Fields, you know, just lit up, lit things up in the passing game. And, and I will concede that his offensive line was doo doo, and uh, and his receivers not exactly great, particularly when Stone Mooney went down. So, it's it's certainly a a, a, a you know a fair like 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 I, 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 I'm sorry, I was I was sort of going on a, a diatribe about um actually I was really filibustering about <laughs> about Ohio State quarterbacks. So I waited for you to come back because quite frankly. If you're like, tell me what you like about Will Lev- Will Levis, I wouldn't I wouldn't be ready to do that right now, and, and that's you know that's on me. But you know, you know what it, you know what it is with the draft, like like you draft draft gurus, like Ryan Wilson better know everything about Will Levis right now. I got I got a little wiggle room. Um, any any other thoughts you want to add on Stroud or uh, or, or Young before we move on to the other guys? No, I think that was pretty much it. Um, and of course, the electricity just went out. That's uh, the, the Midwest is going through some heavy wind right now. So I'm, I'm sure all the journalists uh, descending upon Indianapolis this week are going to be met Ooh. with some very harsh winds in what is already a very windy town. But um, yeah, I mean, we we've pretty much got all of it across. Indy right now. Oh my goodness! Everybody stay safe. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't I don't know how you, you follow wanna, that you, up. Are you going to be in Indy? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up for a day, um, you know, see the see some of the edge rushers and and talk to some people, stuff like that. But I don't have any plans to go. I should go. I miss that combine. I, although I don't like I don't like that they change the times of the, the workouts. Not that not that yeah, I'm a that morning person. It. I'm not a morning person. I think everybody is fully aware of that. Um, but the um, like I just I, I don't like the because well, now but are they are the quarterbacks still going to be throwing in prime time this year? Or do they move it down to like three o'clock? I thought I saw the schedule. It looked like a little different. I think because it's on a Saturday, it kind of falls into the middle of the afternoon. But this is the first year that, um, you know, media or one of the first years, I can't remember if they did it last year or not, but one of the first years that media is allowed inside the stadium to watch the on-field drills. <laughs> so um, that's also going to be a little bit of a different experience. Uh, they, used to, with- they used to do a thing where they would come around and like pick like 15 people and let them go. Right. 
I think I got picked one here. Um, felt very special. Um, I think I actually may have turned it down and be like, no, I don't feel like going. I have to sit here and do this interview. But because it used to, it used to be, and I don't want to complain about the combine and how they change because it's the combine. It is what it is. Like it's it's a it's a literal like meat market where you know a bunch of dudes put on their underwear and um yeah and, and compete in in like drills that ultimately don't matter for like what, what they're going to do uh, later in life. But um you know it it just used to be where it was in the stadium and everybody was sort of in in like the uh, can say I don't I don't know man I mean, maybe I'm just I'm just an old jaded like. Old, I mean, it, ser- it serves its purpose. Like, it's a central location. You know, everybody talks about I the medical. I love personally. I think Indy's amazing. I do, too. It's a great city. Got uh, some good breweries, which I'm sure you explored oh. when you were when you were in Indianapolis. But, <laughs> there you yeah, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really good central site. <laughs> you know, my favorite, my favorite part about Indianapolis, my favorite place in Indianapolis is, and, like, you can only go once per trip, really, because you're, it's Nikki. Have you been to Nikki Blaine's? Ah, uh, see underground cigar bar. Oh my god, it's so oh, no, I haven't. It's like this like dark red leather and you know, steely dance playing, and you're just, just everyone just chiefing cigars and drinking like bourbon and, and scotch, and you you had just the time of your life. You can't talk the next day and you have to throw away whatever coat or sweater you were wearing because it just like you can't put it back in your suitcase. Because it's you know, I mean, you're just going to it just reeks of cigars. I uh I won't reveal the name of the person but one time we went to nikki blaine's and uh well you know i'm not gonna tell this story on the podcast <laughs> i was scared i'll get in trouble if i tell that one um <laughs> i'll get somebody in trouble maybe not me uh so where do you um what do you think about this anthony richardson i think my buddy connor allen uh, a friend of the pod too i believe uh is tweeted out that um anthony richardson moved to seven to one on FanDuel to go first overall he's still like 30 or 50 to one in a bunch of other places and these combine look these these nfl draft props and, and the and betting odds for these things are wildly variable and they're almost inherently um uh, like reactive not predictive you know it's like so-and-so does a mock draft so-and-so moves up Daniel Jeremiah mentioned somebody, and then you see that that prospect are flying up. Um, what do you think about this Anthony Richardson hype? Because the, the dude is an electric athlete. Uh, maybe not exactly a polished passer quite yet there, right? That's absolutely right. I mean, we saw what his potential was in that first game against Utah. Obviously, a yeah. very big quarterback. He's got a cannon for an arm, plus mobility. You know, all the stuff that it, – it, it's a similar argument to Will Levis – but Anthony Richardson is a younger player. He's not as far along in his playing career. Um, you know, he's not as good at processing the field. There's a lot of stuff that's not natural to him at this point. Whereas a player like Bryce Bryce Young, um, all of this stuff that you know, the strengths for him are weaknesses for Anthony Richardson, and the strengths for Anthony Richardson are weaknesses <laughs> for Bryce Young in a lot of ways. So, like, if you could um, put Bryce Young's skill set into Anthony Richardson's body, you would have a like a generational prospect. 100%, 100%. So you're banking on the potential here, a guy that could be something down the road. Uh, in an ideal situation, he lands somewhere where they could afford to sit him for a year or two, allow him to learn, um, you know, understand what he's seeing from defenses when he steps onto the field. Because once you're able to unlock that athleticism, you're talking about a really special talent that could be one of those franchise type players. You know, he may not be the first quarterback taken in this draft, but neither was Josh Allen, neither was Patrick Mahomes, neither was Deshaun Watson, neither was Lamar Jackson. Everything that we project as knowing during the draft process is often wrong at the quarterback (laughs) position. So for a player like Richardson, I understand why a team would take him in the top 10 with the idea that he could become one of those elite talents down the road. 
it is actually pretty remarkable how terrible the entire world is <laughs> evaluating quarterbacks and like and predict and, and tra- like predicting who's going to be the best who's going to be who's going to make the best transition to the NFL. I mean, it's it's it's, it's people people call it an inexact science. I mean, that is wildly underselling it. It is we are so bad at it, and and it's not like a it's not a I mean, t- NFL teams are terrible at it. Everyone's terrible at it. It's it's pretty crazy. I think you have to have a little bit of self-awareness too, where you, where your roster is in the, you know, competition perspective, because if you're putting a quarterback back there that, you know, is maybe more of a traditional pocket passer and you have a terrible offensive line, that player is not going to be successful. You have to know what you have and what you're buying into and, you know, hope that those two mesh because um, we've seen some teams with some incredibly poor self-awareness the past couple of years uh, and the situation has to be ideal for a quarterback to step in and have success. You don't often see a player in their rookie season at the quarterback position being able to uplift an entire team. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes sat for an entire year before he took And he had an incredible so, roster around him, too. Like they had, a, they had a good offensive line and, and you know, elite receivers with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You know, to your point, the Josh Allen thing, um, or to your point about the, what, what's around them, when, when the Bills drafted Josh Allen, I always, I always look at it as they, they, they did a good job of building an infrastructure and then placing Josh Allen in that versus the Jets, who were like, we're just going to draft Sam Darnold and that's going to work out for us. That's you, you have to have the stuff around the quarterback. And, and for instance, the Bears trading out of trading Justin Fields and just a hypothetical, and then taking Anthony Richardson would be insanity. Just if only yeah. because you're 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 just you're I mean you're just getting young I mean and who knows which one of them will be eventually be better I mean you would take fields I think with the experience obviously but you know it's just you're just swapping out you're swapping out you know, like a like a apple for uh, for an orange or maybe like a, a a red apple for a green apple I don't I don't know I I lost it on the fruit metaphor there right the the hypothetical that they could move on from Justin Fields and take Bryce Young you know with Bryce Young being such an outlier in terms of his height and his weight. If that does not work out and then Justin Fields goes on and is successful somewhere else, I mean, that is a very difficult look for your organization. But uh, back to the Bills, you know, they had Brian Dable, too. It's not necessarily just the talent around that player on the roster, but the coaching matters. Uh, We've given a lot of credit to Brian Dable for the work that he did with Josh Allen. But at the same time, we weren't necessarily sure how much, you know, to put on Brian Dable. But now that he's gone to New York, He's done, you know, similar to a lesser extent things with Daniel Jones. Uh, You kind of understand that, yeah, this is a coach that knows what he's talking about. And Josh Allen ended up in an ideal situation because the Josh Allen that we know today is not the Josh Allen that was coming out of Wyoming, um, you know, four or five years ago. Coaching matters. I mean, coaching matters a lot. Uh, And and the pairing of the coach and the player matter a whole lot. All right. uh, Let's get to Max Duggar and Will Levis. Where do they uh, where do they slot on your quarterback ranking list is and, and i should we should clarify like do you is you have young one stroud two and then yes and then levis and then richardson okay levis so let's talk to me about will levis who is also going to be another like fairly i mean i don't want to call him controversial but he's definitely going to be a lightning rod polarizing for, yeah, for, yeah pol- polarizing that's a thank you for being better at talking than me <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, i've yeah. used it plenty believe me I, I had that ready to go <laughs> that's true see i'm not you can tell like i'm rusty so, I'm, not even, I'm not even up to date on my on my draft like lingo like my my draft my draft vocabulary isn't even there yet i'm controversial polarizing so such a layup there good call 
I mean, you know, you fit in generational, a time or two, you know, rare, all of those uh, arm talents, words like that. You know, arm you, talent, once yeah. you kind of get once you fit those into the uh, the general dialect, you're you're hitting all on all cylinders there. But uh, Will Levis was, you know, kind of disappointing this season. But when you look at the situation, uh, it's oddly similar to what Josh Allen had in his final year at Wyoming. Uh, you're talking about a player that has plus mobility, great size, elite arm strength, but the production was not there this year, at least for a player that you would expect to be taken inside of the top, the top 10. So he had a new offensive coordinator. He had a new wide receiver. He lost three offensive linemen to the NFL. That's a lot of turnover, and that's what we saw from Josh Allen going from his junior to his senior year. And then you throw in a shoulder injury, which Josh Allen also dealt with during his senior season. So there's a lot of similar similarities there. I think he's a little bit farther ahead in his processing than Richardson is at this point. But Richardson is also, you know, two years younger than Will Levis. So there's a little bit more time for him to grow and become, you know, better in that regard. So Levis is a player that has all of the qualities that Anthony Richardson does. He's just a little bit older and, um, you know, he's he's a little bit farther along in his processing. I think that's kind of how I look at it right now as I feel a little bit better with Levis in terms of his ability to read the field. A.J.'s Levis is end up being the number one overall pick. I've had, I know a bunch of people who have been like betting the crap out of that for some reason. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few teams that pick early that really like Will Levis. Um, I don't know if he's their top quarterback, but I certainly know that they are very interested in his services. So I would not rule it out entirely because he does have the size that you look for at the position. He's coming from a pro style offense. So the transition transitional period that you would expect for most college players is not necessarily there for, for Will Levis. He's shown he's been able to pick up, you know, bulk amounts of information in a short period of time going from one offensive coordinator to the next, um, you know, from his junior year to his senior year. So he has shown that he's going to be impressive in interviews. He's supposedly throwing in Indianapolis uh, this week. And as long as he's doing that, I don't think that there's anything negative to come from that. I mean, he, he's an incredibly uh, impressive. If you, throw, thrower, if you throw so. the combine and it drops your stock, you you have, I mean, <laughs> you're throwing against air. Like that's, it's a, it's a big time red flag. Exactly. And I think that's part of the argument. What can I do to hurt my stock here? Whereas, you know, I need to get the momentum building back in my favor. And I think that's kind of the idea here is let's create some buzz for Will Levis coming out of the, this week in Indianapolis. Got it. All right. Let's talk wide receivers. Quentin Johnson, TCU. Who's, all right. Who shines more? Shine doesn't really not traffic. Who's going to, who's going to, is there a receiver out of this list that is going to Light up the combine. I guess Shine actually technically works. Jalen Hyatt, Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, or Jordan Addison. Hyatt is going to run the fastest. Were we just saying JSN? Or what do we say? What what do we call him? And there's some well, I just I mean you can call him JSN. I just call him Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jackson Smith and Jigba, okay. Yeah. So I think Jalen Hyatt. Like there's some receiver with a nickname, right? I thought it was a higher state. Uh Maybe not. I mean, I've definitely seen JSN. I don't know how how prevalent that is, but it is it is certainly out there. <laughs> if, if, uh, if I'm the one, if I'm the one asking it, and it's not a thing, then it's probably not a thing. I think uh, Jalen Hyatt is going to be the fastest among these players. He's got essentially one year of production, um, kind of a go ball, just go get it type of player that we've seen at Tennessee this past year. Um, but I think the most impressive player is going to be Quentin Johnston when you look at 
his size, his body build, and then what he is capable of running. Uh, we actually talked to him, um, you know, on the With the First Pick podcast, got a little insight into his training and where he has, is at in the process. So he's feeling pretty good about it. I think he's going to run really fast. And when you look at his size and his frame, there's going to be a lot of buzz about him coming out of the draft process. If I had to, um, I think it's still plus money right now. I would feel very confident that he's probably trending towards the number one wide receiver when we come out of Indianapolis. That's a good look. I don't, he should not be plus, but he should be like minus 150, I think, to be first. I love Quentin Johnson. And I mean, just, I mean, you know, not, not that I watch every minute of every TCU game or anything, but like you just, to me, he just pops off the, off the, off the screen. And by the way, Josh mentioned the, with the first pick podcast is with Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman, obviously Josh is on there too. Uh, make sure and check that out. It is, if you, if you like draft content, it is, it is, it is legitimately elite. Like Wilson and Spielman do a really, really good job. Um, it's annoying how good Ryan Wilson is at, how professional Ryan Wilson is. And Rick Spielman uh, dunks on him basically the entire time, which is just the delightful. Uh, you can see Quinn Johnson here on the uh, screen. Oh, is, that, is that him they highlighted? Yeah, deep ball specialist. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, underrated. Who are some underrated stars you could shine at the combine? We'll tell you next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, underrated stars. Give me some names of people to look for in Indianapolis when we are watching all the combine action on NFL Network and I guess it's sometimes on ABC, which is crazy. It's like a, it's like the 
it's the mean girls quotes like stop trying to make fetch happen like this is not stop trying to make i mean the, the, you don't make enough money already nfl you can't like this, this do we really need to broadcast the combine on like over like antenna air I mean, it's just kind of crazy anyway sorry that's my little yeah i mean we can get into a lot of tangents about the nfl combine and the viability of some of the drills that they rank but uh or that they run but we're talking about explosive players here. Devin A-Chain, a running back, wide receiver from Texas A&M, does a little bit of everything. I think a lot of people are probably familiar with his name at this point in time just because of what he brings to the football field. Uh, but a really dynamic player, somebody that you can envision in you know, an Andy Reid-style scheme, something that's going to allow him to be in jet motion, end arounds, that kind of stuff. Use his capabilities in space. But a couple of players I'm looking at at the wide receiver position, Maryland's Jacob Copeland, and Princeton's Andre Yoshivas, a couple of players that prospect. a couple of players that are going to run uh, pretty fast. Um, so you know those two, to the, those two players are not getting a lot of buzz right now. But a couple of guys that, when you look at their size, when you look at um, you know their talents, their athleticism, what they bring to the football field, I think you could see a little bit more buzz surrounding those two players coming out of the draft. I don't see if a similar. Um, you know, build up around Yoshivas as we did Christian Watson a year ago, but you're talking about a bigger athlete that is going to run really fast this week in Indianapolis. How would you classify? And I should have asked this off the top, but whatever. How would you? Is this draft class for you? It's like top heavy, you know, because sometimes each each year you can sort of get an idea whether. And I think that for whatever reason, like most draft classes these days feel deeper than they used to be, right? And I don't know if that's there's a proliferation of, you know different offenses across college football or guys playing there's just more schools being prominently involved or like um you know cover you know like the like everyone's everyone covers all the you know everyone covers all of these teams right we know all these prospects it feels like if, if so how does this class for you stack up relative to, to recent years everybody wants to know about the quarterbacks the quarterback class this year is much better than it was a year ago but i think when you look at the top of this draft class the talent that is available makes me feel a lot more comfortable than the talent that was available at the top of last year's draft class. I think I like the overall depth of last year's class a little bit better. I'll probably have fewer, you know, blue chip talents, uh, first round grades in this class than I do in most years. But I think the opportunity to get, you know, starting level players, even into day two is kind of where the value is in this draft. I think uh, get those role players into day three. I think that's where a lot of teams, if you make the right decisions, if you've done the research and you trust your scouting staff, uh, could really exploit this draft class. But I think once you get beyond that first bucket of six, seven players, at that point you're getting into the the ring of prospects that you really have concerns about whether they're going to translate naturally to the next level. All right, dig it. Uh, what about uh, potential combine losers, as in guys who, like, you know, because you know going in it's like, like – I mean, I don't know if Bryce Young has a lot to lose because he's he's just he's just his height. You know, you can't you're gonna get measured at some point. You know, people can see how tall you are. People can tell how much like how much you weigh, right? Um, for Bryce, like, but is there anybody that stands out to you that maybe whether because they don't do anything or because they don't they won't perform well that could drop see their stock drop in Indianapolis? I'll say Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to drop per se, but I think you'll see his stock level out a little bit because he's not going to be the dynamic tester that we typically see from tight ends taken in the first round. Uh, and when you compare that to a player like Oregon State's Luke Musgrave 
or Utah's Dalton Kincaid, a couple of players that are expected to test a little bit better. That's where I think you kind of see this tight end class start to separate itself a little bit. So Mayer is a very consistent contributor, a player that you feel confident in, in his ability to not only block, but be a pass catcher, but you're not going to see the dynamic traits that you would typically see from a tight end that is taken in the first round. Right. I dig it. Um, anything else to know about the combine of this class or anybody that stands out, just any sort of, you know, you, when you go to the combine, when you're a draft Nick, you know, you have, you have some guys that, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of like, oh, you know, like anybody on your radar that you, that you feel like warrants mentioning going, going into the, into, into the combine. I'm just curious what B. John Robinson does the running back from Texas, because yeah, I, I mean, I feel confident he's going to go in the first round. I think he is in that same tier of prospect as a player like Saquon Barkley. But going through these mock draft processes every single week, I struggle to find a team that just naturally makes sense for him. I mean, you can make arguments with uh, Billy's Eagles. You can you can find an argument for the Ravens or the Chiefs or you know whoever in the bottom half of the first round. But his talent suggests that he's going to go much earlier. You know, so is there going to be a surprise team that? is comfortable taking him in the top 10 because Saquon was a top 10 pick. Ezekiel Elliott was a top 10 pick. Leonard Fournette, like those type of players do end up going in the top 10. Even if we talk about in the media, the running back position being devalued. So I'm curious to see if any teams start to become associated with a running back, much like a couple of years ago where we with kind Najee, of with Najee Harris, where it's like, exactly. like, I was so, it was so obvious. I, I wouldn't put it in my mock draft. I was like, no, they can't do it. It's too obvious. They're not even like trying to pretend that they're not going to take Najee Harris. And, and then they, they obviously took Najee Harris. Or is it a bit more of a surprise team like Travis Etienne? You know, they, they had already gotten uh, Trevor Lawrence at that point, but obviously adding his backfield mate from Clemson was something that was important for them. But at the time they had James Robinson coming off a fantastic season. So you didn't necessarily no. associate the Jaguars is having a running back need, but we could see a surprise team. We could see something obvious like we did a couple of years ago with Pittsburgh. Bijan, Bijan is one of those dudes that like, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's best described as like, you don't give, don't give you butterflies, but he like makes your heart sing a little bit, you know, like you, you watch him and you're like, <sighs> like, I mean, he, he's, he's just special. So I don't think that's out. Of, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all, especially if he blows, like blows the doors off of the combine and is just a freak athlete. You see t- a team, Every we say every year, like, don't take running backs in the first round. And teams are like, I don't, we don't care. We're taking we, you know, we, this guy's a stud. We're taking him in the first round. It, does it work out long term? Usually not. Does it work out short term? Sometimes, very often, not. Like Clyde Edwards Alaire did not work out. However, um, I would not fault anybody for taking Bijan Robinson because the dude is a freaking stud. All right, we good? Anything else? Anything else? Give me uh, you live from Indy on, on with the. Are you gonna be doing the with the first pick pod? What did I call I it? So. I called it with the first take the other day, which is <laughs> I, like one, like kind of amusing, and like two, um, uh, probably a, a, a copyright violation of some sort. Although that may be intellectual property, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a former notary, Josh. Um, I, I would say I would definitely be interested to tune into with the first pick this week, just because Rick does have so many connections across the NFL. Like if, if he starts hearing some of the buzz that is, you know, going around to Indianapolis, how much of that makes its way to the podcast. So I would definitely be tuning in for that. All right. Check it out with the first pick. <laughs> I, just, I just laugh every time we think about with the first pick. Uh, with, with Ryan Wilson, Rick Spielman, Josh Edwards. Uh, Josh, as always, buddy, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon since it's hashtag draft season. For Josh, I'm Brinson. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you guys later. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.